Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 14. If you're on the floor, just as you know, just receive. Thank you, Lord. It's good to be back. I've been away now for a few weeks. It's good to, good to be back. morning in prayer, I just slightly have been, I've been a little distracted today, and I'll tell you why I've been a little distracted. Most of you know that part of my absence, I, I spent some time in, in Wales and uh, had a great, the trip by the way was fabulous, uh, had a great, great time, but part of Part of my time there, intentionally in Wales, um, was to see the Welsh revival sites, and to and to be able to go into Evan Roberts' home. I actually, stayed in Evan Roberts' home, and and actually in his bedroom, where where Evan Roberts. If you remember the stories, Evan Roberts, every he talked about every night waking up in the middle of the night and and Jesus appearing to him and and speaking to him about what was to take place and what was to happen and and his personal life and. Uh, so I went, I was, and his brother Dan, if you remember Dan, Dan was very influential in the revival in Azusa Street and what took place in America. Uh, his brother Dan, as Evan was traveling Wales, Dan came to the U.S. So he was very influential. Dan was the one who had had his eyes injured uh, in a mining, I was believe it was a mining accident, and uh in that, in that bedroom, Evan looked at his brother. It's the only recorded miracle in Evan Roberts' ministry. Saw 100,000 souls. It's the only recorded miracle is that his brother Dan, he looked at him and said, God's going to heal your eyes. And in that moment, God healed his eyes and restored his sight. So that's, that's where that was, if, if you remember the stories. And uh, went by Moriah Chapel where everything kind of launched and uh, started with the Welsh revival. Of course, there's lots of other churches and ministries and things where things were happening, but that's kind of become known as the epicenter. And uh, went to Blynarnock, which is, it's, by the way, not Blanarak. It looks like Blanarak, but I was quickly corrected. Uh, I don't speak Welsh, so I was learning. Uh, and that's, you know, many of you remember Seth Joshua, you might remember the Joshua brothers and Seth, jo- Seth Joshua was preaching the Bend Me sermon. And, and Evan Roberts prayed at that church, Lord, bend me. And uh, I'm getting some ringing on this microphone. And he prayed, Lord, bend me. And that's where that took place. It was the, he received, some say that's where he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, so anyway, lots of lots of great sights and experience, but but I was caught off guard. I've been stuck. I I I, I keep going back to the scene in Mariah Chapel. A lot of times, we we remember the scene. If you've seen the pictures or videos, you see Mariah Chapel. And it's all wood, this beautiful ornate wood sanctuary. That's that's the main sanctuary. That's not where Evan Roberts was holding the meetings. There's two, there's two chapels. There's a smaller chapel and a larger chapel. He held the meeting. You say, Pastor, why is all this important? I'm just setting the stage. For those that are familiar with the story, if you, you can kind of picture where I'm at. It's not in, the, not in the main sanctuary with all the beautiful ornate wood that sat 500. We're in the first sanctuary that only held a couple hundred. It was old and kind of dingy. And compared to the new one. That's where Evan Roberts started the meetings. And it started, he went to his pastor, 
and told his pastor that he felt like God wanted him to start prayer meetings for young people. So that would have been youth, young adult age. I want to start prayer meetings for young people. And they started, he said, you can have the, you can have the annex or the, the original building. You can have that building and have your meeting after service. So he had a meeting after service in October, had this meeting. 50 people showed up, under 50, show up. And he's standing in front of the room. And he has everyone pray this prayer. And this is where I've been stuck all morning. <laughs> I can't get past it. It's a simple prayer that really started the whole thing. Lord, send the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ's sake. That was the prayer. Profound prayer, huh? That was the prayer. Lord, send the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ's sake. Can we just pray that together this morning? <laughs> Lord, send the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lord, we need another Pentecost. Father, our country needs another fire baptism in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, our country needs another fire baptism, Holy Ghost baptism again. Lord, would you send the Holy Spirit? Father, would you send the Holy Spirit for Jesus' sake? Would you send the Holy Spirit this morning as churches gather all across this country? Lord, would you send the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ? Would you baptize us afresh and anew? Let the fire of heaven burn in our bellies again, God. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost, let the fire of Pentecost burn in our bones again, God. Let it burn in our tongues. Let it burn on our heads. Let it burn. Let it burn. God, consume us. Oh, God, consume us. Is that your prayer this morning? Is that you would be consumed by the Holy Ghost? <coughs> Is that your prayer today? Lord, consume me. Lord, consume me. Let the fire burn. Oh, pastor, it costs too much. Yeah, it costs a lot. Everything goes into the fire and nothing comes out. Everything goes. Everything goes in the fire. Everything goes in the fire. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power. There's more, there's more, there's more. So you, Pastor, we're a spirit-filled church, but there's more. If you're not careful, you know what a burnout is. It's someone who burnt out. They didn't keep adding fuel to the fire. They have allowed life to consume them. They've allowed everything else to get their attention and they've stopped adding fuel to the fire and they burn out. You get burned out when you stop adding fuel, spiritual fuel. You add everything else. You try to put everything else and it's a blanket on the fire. It's not fuel. But spiritual fuel, when you begin to put your life on the altar, you begin to put yourself on the altar. You begin to add spiritual fire. You're, that fire begins to stir up, begins to kindle up. Lord, let the fire burn. <laughs> For Jesus' sake. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord, another Pentecost. This precious, precious, precious gift of the Holy Spirit. He's here today. He's here. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The promise of the Father 
is here this morning. He's settling in on us right now. He's, it's, like a, it's like a cloud that's just settling in on this room. He's here. You can become aware of his wonderful, wonderful presence. The person of the Holy Spirit. This is not some spiritual gimmick, some paranormal activity. This is person of the Holy Spirit of God. He's come. He wants to fill you today. If your prayer language has become dried up, stopped praying in the spirit it just can break loose the crustiness of your prayer life today if your prayer life has gotten crusty the Holy Spirit can break that loose today and become a well oiled well flowing prayer again from your life If sin has gotten in the way, maybe today there's a sinful heart or, or unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit will come and, oh yeah, he'll begin to just reveal the Father in that thing and break that off of you. I don't have to try to make it. The Holy Spirit can do it right now. Oh, the Holy Spirit's here. Yeah. If there's something in your life that's holding you back, unbelief and doubt that has kept you from walking in the fullness of what God's got, the Holy Spirit's here right now. He can reveal to you very simply. He's, yeah, He's the revealer of the of the Father. He reveals the truth of God. He reveals the reality of God today. He's here, and He can reveal the goodness of the Lord to you. Oh, send the Holy Spirit, Father, for Jesus' sake. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, we need another, another Pentecost. Lord, I think about Azusa. I think about Azusa Street. I think about what took place stirrings all over the country but there was a an unknown son of a slave from St. Mary's Parish, Louisiana who had no idea that God had put his hand on his life for such a time as this uh, there might be people in this room this morning you are completely unaware that God has placed his hand on your life for this season but he has he has, just like William Seymour, just like Evan Roberts, just like others, he's placed his hand on your life for a season, for a time as this. Not that you become a superstar, not that it's all about you. That's not what we're talking about. But he's placed his hand on your life because there's a generation, there's a generation that is, that is living today that has never encountered the power and the presence of God like they need to like they have to. And he's put his hand on people's lives, this room. He's put his hand on this church. Unexpected. On Azusa Street. And the fire fell in a prayer meeting. And the house where they were meeting couldn't even contain power and the presence of God. People were walking on the lawn and falling out under the power because of the presence of God that had come down on that house. Just because people were hungry for it. God, do it again. Shaked. One, one moment shake. Was shaking our country. in my message, but well, the, the God's doing something. Azusa Street, a Welsh revival. But I, the primary industry in Wales was coal mining. 
and the pit ponies could even operate when revival happened because they didn't understand their masters because the master's language had cleaned up. Their language cleaned up. People were nice. People were just nice. The Holy Spirit came and people got nice. They had prayer meetings in the coal mines and the in the pits of the mines. They were having prayer meetings. The bars shut down. The bars shut down. Did you hear me? People didn't want to go. We're not. I, I know America's big on drinking, but but they're big on drinking in the UK. The bars shut down. The magistrates, they've got images, cartoon pictures of the judges, the magistrates couldn't have court because there were no cases to try because people weren't getting in criminal trouble. There was no crimes being committed. So they couldn't have court cases. We're talking about a group of 50 or less who started in a prayer meeting saying, Lord, send the Holy Ghost. Father, send the Holy Ghost for Jesus Christ. And the whole... Our country is prime for revival. America is prime for revival. What is it what is it going to take? What is it going to take? It doesn't take the hundreds. It doesn't take the hundreds. It takes the few who are sold out. Did you hear me? It doesn't take the hundreds to change a country. It takes the few that are sold out. And that's what happened. what happened in that meeting, they began to meet on a nightly basis for prayer at Evan Roberts' home. They just began, these those, there were just a handful that were touched by God, that were hungry. They began to meet every night for prayer. And from there, it began to spread. People began coming. They were hungry. They were interested in what was happening. Prayer meetings weren't just prayer meetings, if you know what I mean. It just wasn't another time of fellowship. God came. And they took what was happening there and it left and they began and it began to spread. People in other churches, people in other communities, and it began to spread. And before you know it, it was fire was falling all over South Wales. And before it would have before it ended, a hundred thousand souls that they know of a hundred thousand that they know of made decisions and from that moment from that from that temple from that meeting place that tabernacle that church missionaries went out all over the world countries affect India was greatly affected by what took place at the Welsh Revival. Come to the U.S., Azusa Street. Not only was our country transformed, but the Assemblies of God was birthed largely out of what took place at Azusa Street and became the world's largest missions sending and, and funding organization of the world and still is today, over a hundred years later, still is today, because the Holy Ghost came, not because some people got some good ideas, but the Holy Ghost came, <laughs> and they yielded, they yielded, that's it. take
for the unsuspecting, but the hungry to change a country. It's the Holy Ghost. The people who say, Lord, I just want to be used of you. I don't care if my name is recorded on the books of history. It doesn't matter. I don't care if people know my name when I die. We, we know who, let me, let me share this story. We know who Edwin Roberts is. We know the stories, but a lot, a lot of people do not. Let me share this, this story about my trip. I really wasn't even, this was not my plan at all today, by the way. Um, I was on the train headed from North Wales to Evan Roberts' home in South Wales, and I was sitting by this woman. I'd been sitting across from her, her and this other lady, and we were chit-chatting. And the one lady got off. So when she got off, the other lady said, well, come over. You can come sit by me and we'll continue our conversation. So I moved over by her. We continued our conversation. And uh, I hadn't told her why I was in Wales. I hadn't gone. I was just telling her where I had been, which had been to see where my ancestors were from. We really hadn't gone into much spiritual conversation. And we're having conversations. She said, well, my great-great-grandfather was involved in a time in history in Wales where um, Wales had a real spiritual awakening. And she said, my great-great-grandfather was involved with that. And uh, so I'm going to see some of my family. And she was living in, in London, but she was on, her, on the train on the way to take care of her mom and dad who had been a part of this seen the stories and been a part of this and of course my eyes get real big <laughs> you know I'm like well that's actually why I'm why I'm here I said that's actually why I'm in Wales to, I'm actually on my way to Evan Roberts home right now and she was she what and I said yeah I'm actually I said I'm staying in his bedroom tonight <laughs> And uh, she said, uh, wow, that's awesome. And we began to talk. And it was so funny to watch as all of the memories about her great-great-grandfather started coming back. She has this Bible that he preached from and everything. He was one of the founders of the apostolic movement in Wales. And all these memories, and you could just see years of just life starting to melt away and the tears started she said you by the end of that train ride she said you do not know what this conversation has done for me she said I have long forgot all of this she said I have forgotten about this history she said I've forgotten about these stories she said I'm on my way to take she said my mom her mom is Indian she said my mom met my dad in great-great-grandfather's church and having having a multicultural marriage there was very unusual and, and just being multicultural was unusual in Wales and she said that was the first church that accepted my mom my mom got born again because of this church's ability to love her even though she was Indian and so she, this, I'm talking stories, Debbie, my friend Debbie's life, and the tears God began to bring back. You could tell she had moved away from that relationship with God. She knew, she knew, she's like, oh, do you know the, do you know Neil Anderson and, and Bondage Breaker and Finding Freedom? Do you know all those? But I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm really familiar with all those. She's like, I love those. She said, I really, you know, got breakthrough through all of that. A lot of, and so we're just talking. The reason I tell you that story is because it, it really doesn't take a lot. You don't have to be some preacher. I didn't even ever have to preach the gospel. She knew it. I didn't even ever have to say it. Just sitting there listening and hearing the stories, the hardened heart began to melt. 
It's that simple. It's really that simple. The Holy Spirit will just walk in. He'll ride the train with you. It's really simple. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 14. We're going to start taking a look at it. It's Easter season, and I don't want to just preach an Easter message that you just say, oh, that's just another Easter message, because that's not really what I'm after today. We said a couple weeks ago we were going to start taking a look at stepping in, crossing over your Jordan, crossing over the Jordan, crossing into all that God has for you. And I want to take a look at having a prophetic direction for your life, a prophetic direction, a prophetic revelation for your life. If you're going to cross in to the plans and the purposes that God has for you, if you're going to walk, if we're going to see our country change, if we're going to step into all that God has for this church and your life, you've got to be willing and able to have a prophetic revelation from God. Now, I... One of the things that I believe that God is using our church for in this region wants to continue to do so. We've only begun to scratch the surface, and that's just what we've talked about. Lord, shake our country. Send the Holy Ghost. I think there are people here this morning that are hungry, that want to see that happen. But what we've seen is only the beginning. Did you hear me? You say, Pastor, we've seen a lot. We've seen God do some great things. And you're telling us it's the only beginning. Yeah. It's only, we've, we've only begun to climb the mountain, if you will. We've only taken a step out into the waters of the Jordan. We've not even really begun to see the fullness of what God wants to do. It's kind of like the, the almond bud on the almond tree. It's a, it's a foretaste. It's a sign of what's to come. And if you can have an, I hope that today, maybe you've caught a glimpse already this morning of just a little bit of what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't want, God doesn't just want you to show up at church on Sundays and have a, have a great experience and go home and, and everything. You know, you just go about your normal life. That's great. And if that's what you want and that's where you're wanting to settle, then God bless you. But that's not really what God wants for you. That's not really where the story ends. Have you, how many of you have told your kids something along the lines of, you could do the impossible or, or dream big? How many of you have told your kids things along those lines? You, you want your kids to see the big picture that, that can happen in their life. And God's the same way. You can have the little, but dream big. There's, there's greater things ahead. We talk about revival and awakening and the power of God visiting our country and, and shaking our country, then it's, it's more than just a personal awakening. This is more than just a personal story, a personal experience. There's something that's got to be transferable. Did you hear me? There's something has got to get on me and in me that's transferable. I've got to saturate in the presence of God. I've got to saturate in his goodness. I've got to saturate in his abundance. I've got to see him for who he is. And it's got to transfer. I've got to be able to give away what I've been given. There's got to be people get around me and they've got to be impacted by, by what's on my life. If there's not transferability, then I question how deep the waters run in your life. If, if there's not transferability, then, then maybe what you're doing is only drinking of someone else's spring and there's not a river flowing in your own belly. Because when there's a river flowing in your innermost being, there's going to be an impact. There's going to be an effect on people around you. If all you do is come to church and drink from my well, then, then you're going to be affected. You're going to get something, but it's not going to be transferable into someone else's life. But when there's a river of living water flowing on the inside of you, it has to overflow. There's going to be an impact on the world around you. People around you are going to be changed. 
They're going to see the goodness of God in your life. So, so when we talk about a prophetic direction and revelation, I, I want you to begin to think outside of, of just how do I get by. We're good at, at trying to figure out, well, when, when God says he has a revelation for my life, it's oftentimes associated with how do I take care of my family? How do I get by? How do I survive tomorrow? And that, my friend, is not faith. If you begin to have a prophetic revelation from God, he begins to show you how your life will change the world. You cannot read the gospel. You cannot be around Jesus and not hear him say, go and make disciples of all nations. You can't hear him say, you cannot not hear him say about his passion for changing the world. Your world might just be a few city blocks or a work environment. But whatever your world is, there is a power of God for your life. There's a vision from God for your life to make an impact where he's placed you. And you've got to see it. You've got to see it for yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, and they'll put it up on the screen. But where there is no vision. What does it say? Where there's no what? Vision. Now that's not just right, making a vision board and doing the nice coaching stuff that I do. That's not what that word means. I love this verse. I love coaching and I love helping people create visions for their life and having direction for their life. But that's not what this verse is. This word, that word vision means prophetic revelation. Where there is no prophetic re- revelation. Where people have no revelation of God, the there's, they pay, what? Put the verse up back again. The verse, Proverbs 29, there you go. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That word perish is not, in the sense, the original translation there is not that they die. The word perish there is that they cast off restraints. And so you can go to the next slide. They, they cast off restraints. They become uncontrolled, unbridled, licentious, corrupt, immoral. Isn't that interesting? Where people have no revelation, where there's no revelation from God, where there's no prophetic insight, where you don't see Jesus, believe that up, where you don't see Jesus, they become uncontrolled, unbridled, licentious, corrupt, and immoral. Does that sound like anything that we're living in? Where does prophetic revelation come from? It comes from God. Who proclaims it? Who proclaims it? Yeah, we said it comes from God, but who proclaims it? We do. (laughs) Who are the prophets? Prophetic revelation comes from God to who? His people. Who proclaims it? His people. You and I, my friends, are the prophetic voice of God. And if we don't have something to share, the world around us becomes uncontrolled, unbridled, licentious, corrupt, and moral. You have a voice. You have been given a voice from God, a prophetic voice from God to speak the oracles of God. You've got to have a word in your belly. And that word might be as simple as whatever I am preaching on a Sunday, but it's a start. It needs to run a little bit deeper than that. Remember we just said, you got to have a river flowing out of your own belly. But you've got to have, you'll, and you'll find, let me pause on that and say this, you will find that the river that God is flowing in your own belly will cause it, there will be a stream, there will be a meshing of a river that's flowing in this church. Can I say that again? The river that's flowing out of you will flow in, in unison. It will, it will find itself adapting into the river of your church. God never has separate rivers that just, oh, let's just do our own thing. That's not how this works. 
There's a river that's flowing out of you, and it's, it's powerful, it's unique, and it will adapt and it will align into what God is doing in his local body because God never does anything outside of his local church. If it's outside of the local church, it doesn't have a parent. And children without parents are disobedient. Okay? I just, I'm, I'm helping somebody this morning. I'm just, I'm treading very lightly. They're watching via live stream. They're not here today. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. And the, the rivers just begin to merge. And God begins, it's beautiful. When you begin to see this, this wonderful, how God does this in your life, you are a prophetic voice individually, and he makes us a symphony together. When you see this, this beauty of the river individually in your own life and how it adapts into the local body and what God's doing in his church and how he, it's like a finely tuned symphony. It's beautiful. It becomes, oh, the, the church might be roaring in itself, and, and, and you might be roaring in your, own, in your own self. But when you get to get, it's this unmistakable sound. It's beautiful. Anyway, so let me keep going. So there, there has to be a prophetic voice, you are it, which requires then that you have a prophetic revelation. You've got to have insight of who Jesus is. You've got to see Jesus for yourself. You've got to get a direction for yourself. God, what are you saying to our generation? Silence there. God, what are you saying to our generation? And what part do I have in it? God, what are you saying in our day? What are you saying in our day? This generation needs to encounter the presence and power of God. This generation needs to come to the cross. There needs to be redemption. There needs to be revival. There has to be a reformation. Do you hear me this morning? This generation needs Redemption. This generation needs revival. There has to be a reformation. And it comes when we see Jesus. In John chapter 14. I love this passage of scripture. And I'm, I'm going to draw my, my text here. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's getting born again right now. They watched on live stream and they're calling you to get born again. That or they're going to sow their seed of $10,000 and God's going to pay off their mortgage right now. <laughs> I love this passage of scripture and, and, and I believe that, that God just kind of zeroed this out and I'm, and I'm drawing some points from this today. Uh, as it relates to Easter, but the context here I think is powerful. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I love this. I love the imagery here. In my Father's house are many mansions. I don't know about you. I have not seen a house with many mansions. I've seen a mansion with many rooms, but I haven't seen a house with many mansions. Just think about that. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I love how Jesus throws this out there. You know where I'm going. Jesus Excuse me, not Jesus. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? It was like Jesus already knew what was in Thomas's heart and set him up for, you know. <laughs> Have you ever been there where somebody asks you a question, you're like, mm -hmm, I already knew the answer to that before you asked, you know. It's just kind of a setup. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. It was like Jesus was setting Thomas up just so he could say this one thing. (laughs) I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. I find this interesting, this this passage of scripture interesting. One, just because of the scene. The first thing about this scene, of course we know that it's getting ready to go into the Passover meal. Jesus is getting ready to uh, begin the Passover meal with his disciples. He's going to wash their feet. Or I'm sorry, the Passover meal's already happened. They, they've already had the Passover meal. G- he, uh, Judas has already left the scene. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. All of these things have transpired. Everything that you read about the Passover meal, all that has, has taken place. And Jesus is spending some time with his disciples. He may have still been in the room. Uh, in the upper room, they may have left. We're not real sure. It's most likely in the upper room. But, but Peter has just been told, Peter, you're going to deny me. And he's just been told about the betrayal that's getting ready to happen. And then Jesus shares this news with them. I'm leaving, but don't be troubled. I'm getting ready to go away in my house. Or We read all of that. And then come two vitally important questions. These are interesting questions that that are asked. Thomas, what is the way? And Philip, who is the father? Jesus had been with them this entire time. They had watched the miracles. For three years, they had watched Jesus' ministry. They had heard him preach. They had heard him teach. They had seen, but they had not yet received Proximity does not mean receptivity. They had been close. They had observed. But they had not personally received. They hadn't had revelation yet. You can sit in service. You can be around in a move of God. But it not ever affect you. You can be around. You can be sitting on the front row. And God heal and deliver people and set people free right in front of your face. And never see Jesus in the middle of it. And miss it. I'm talking about having a prophetic revelation this morning. Don't miss it. Be alert. Be receptive. Open your eyes and look around you. God, what are you trying to show me? Don't be like Thomas and Philip who were saying, hmm, what's he talking about? Have you ever told your kids, Uh, or said something along the lines to your children, how many times do I have to say this before you get it? (laughs) Or wives to your husbands, did you hear anything I just said? (laughs) Selective hearing. And we have the same problem in church. Selective hearing. We don't really hear what God's saying. And they've asked these important questions. Jesus is trying to give them a revelation. Jesus is trying to set them up to see God in a new way. He's preparing them for what's ahead. He's getting ready to be crucified. Jesus is ready, getting ready to go to the cross. The, the fulfillment, the culmination of why he had come is getting ready to take place. And he's been preparing them for this day. When we're talking about having a prophetic revelation, I said it earlier, but I'll repeat it. Proximity does not mean receptivity. Think about Samuel and Eli. The word of the Lord was rare. God was speaking in the middle of the temple. Eli, the priest, didn't hear it, but Samuel, the small child, could. 
Revelation from God comes at a price of diligently seeking him. Just because you hang out with Jesus doesn't mean that you're seeking him. Just because you hang out at church doesn't mean that you're seeking God. If you want a revelation of who he is, you have to seek. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. The promise of Jeremiah 33.3 says, When you call to me, I'll answer and I'll show you great and mighty things. In Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, knock. If you, the, he's willing to show you. He wants to tell you his mystery. But you have to diligently seek him. Revelation is not for manipulation. Jesus wasn't trying to manipulate Thomas and Philip. He wasn't trying to express his own wishful thinking or ideas over them. He wanted them to see the Father. When you have a revelation from God, when you see God and his plan and his purpose for your life and how it impacts others, it's not so that you can manipulate those around you. Or, let me say this, build your own kingdom. It's real easy to become passionate about building your own kingdom. Luther talked about the evil monk that lurks with inside all of us. And we probably all really do have one of those evil monks that likes the name and the attention. And it doesn't matter how many times you say, oh, no, pastor, I, you know, I don't really want. Uh, yeah, the first time I don't thank you for doing something, come back to me. We all like to have our name. And our attention. But that's not what the revelation is for. That's not what the revelation is for. It's so that people can see the Father. Let me just keep going. Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The revelation. Here is the revelation of God. In this verse, it contains the full revelation of God to you and I. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Here is the captain of our salvation. And he's going before us. He is the way. He's the one that's prepared the way. He's the one that's gone before us. He is the way. Yeah, Jesus is the way. Isaiah talks about, in Isaiah 35, the highway of holiness. It's a highway that's going to be there, a roadway. Isaiah 35, 8. Hopefully the media can catch up with me and put it up there. A highway will be there, a roadway. And it will be called a highway of holiness. This is, the, this is the road. This is the way of Jesus, a highway of holiness. A roadway, his words, he's declared to you and I the way before us. He's declared the roadway before us. He showed us where we ought to go. He showed us where we ought to walk. The Bible says that our steps, he has is, he is ordered and directed our steps. That his word to our, our feet, his word to our path is a light. That he's directing and ordering our steps. He's the captain of our salvation. This is, this is Jesus. This is the Father. This is what He's come to do. He's come to make a way for your life where there seems to be no way. Where there seems to be no direction. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a direction. I, I don't feel like I have a path that God's leading me down. Jesus is the path. He's the way in the middle of your directionless life. Where you feel like you have no path. He is the way. He is the one who's making a path in your wilderness. Yeah, Jesus. Is anybody hear me this morning? Jesus is the one who's come in the middle of your desperate situation. And he's making impossible things happen in your life today. Yeah, that you can, you can live in the impossible. You can believe the unbelievable. You can walk in these paths of the promises and the presence of God because Jesus is the way. He's declared to you. He's made plain to you. He's laid before you His pathway. 
So where there seems to be confusion in the natural, look to Jesus who's the way. Where you're uncertain of of how to cross over your Jordan into the promised land. Look to Jesus who like the priest gone out before the people of Israel put their foot in the water so so the people could walk on dry ground. Follow Jesus, your heavenly high priest who's put his foot out into the water and the waters of uncertainty, the waters that have tried to overcome you have split in two and you can walk through on dry ground where you've tried to get through and you feel like the waters are overwhelming you and the fire has risen against you. Jesus, your high priest, the captain of your salvation has gone out before you and cleared the pathway. Yeah, Goliath might be standing in your way, but you can say, like David, you've come to me with your spear and your sword, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord. Your head's going to roll today, sucker. I don't care what the problem is or the situation or what you're facing. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one who's made all things possible for you and I. Yeah, it's good news to know that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what direction I need in my life, Jesus is still the way for me. Hallelujah. He says, I'm the way. I am the truth. This, this word here, the truth, it's the word reality. It's the, it's the same word when Jesus was with the Samaritan woman. If you remember in, in John chapter 4, this woman had been looking for reality in all the wrong places. She was looking for something real. She was looking for a love that was tangible, a love that was real. She was looking for a hope and a peace in the middle of despair in her life. And Jesus with this, this Samaritan woman, he says, I'll give you a drink. That will, that will satisfy. I'll give you eternal living waters. I'll give you a drink that's more real than the water in this well. I'll give you something that's more substantial, more sustaining than the water that you're about to draw from. I'll give you some, a, a love that's more real than the lovers of the world. I'll give you a peace that's more substantial, more su- sustaining than anything that you've experienced. I am the reality. He said that in in John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Spirit and reality. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, keep going, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. In verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am this reality. I am this reality. Woman, you've been looking in all the wrong places. The reality has come and the reality is here in your face. You've heard the religious leaders teach about it. Oh yeah, you've seen the shadows, the types, the figures of the Old Testament. You've heard the stories from other people. But the Messiah has come. The Messiah is here and I am He. Yeah, what a reality for you and I that that Jesus is our way, but he is the reality. He's not just he's not just uh, concept or good ideas in a book that's collected dust on your shelf. He's not just philosophies in a book that's collected dust over time on your shelf. He is the reality. He's the reality of God to you and I. He is God. He told Philip, Philip, I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the expressed image. John 1.14 says that. He put that up. John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Same word, reality. 
You've beheld the reality of the Father. Jesus is the reality of God to us. God is not just our Heavenly Father in often some distant outer space world. He's not often some other galaxy, whatever galaxy, wherever you put people out of the space in spaceships. <laughs> He's not out there some distant foreign land that we can't ever obtain Him or touch Him or see Him or hear Him. Jesus is the reality of God made manifest to you and I. The creator of the universe stepped into creation for you and I. Jesus Christ is the reality of God. And we see him, we've touched him, we've beheld him, we've heard him. Yeah, you don't have to look to tarot cards or relationships or any other thing. to Look, listen, people in this day, they're trying to turn to all sorts of things to hear about their future, to hear about certainty, to hear we live in a hopeless society and everybody's looking. Jesus is the reality of our hope. He is our high priest who's gone in behind the veil. He's made atonement for you and I once and for all. He's the one that has anchored our soul. He's the one that anchors our hope. He is the reality of God. This isn't just some intangible, he's the reality. Listen, friend, if you can't understand, if you don't see Jesus as your reality, life will throw you with every toss and with every turn. If you can't see Jesus as the reality of the Father, when people do stupid things, it will toss you. If you can't see Jesus as the reality, when your boss says something stupid or fires you, it it will toss you, it will turn you around in the waves of life. If you can't get the reality of Jesus, does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Life will toss you in the waves. But if you can anchor In the reality of Jesus, it doesn't matter come hell or high water or fire or testing. My soul is anchored in the reality of God. Yeah, you can say what you want. Do what you want. Go where you want to go. People can listen. I've seen a lot and and people do a lot of stupid things. And I hope to God that none of you are one of them that ever do anything stupid. But whether you do or whether you don't, my hope is anchored in Christ alone. I get up in the morning and I breathe, not because you are living in sanity today. I get up and I live my life not because you like me and I'm a good preacher and a good pastor. I get up and I live and move and have my being because I'm in Christ alone. He's the anchor. He's the reality. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God for reality of Jesus. I love what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of reality comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all reality. The spirit of truth. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all reality. And then he says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. I am the abundant life. I am the God kind of life is what that means. In John chapter 7, we find the Feast of Tabernacles happening. And part of the Feast of Tabernacles is that they would pour out water. They would have water offerings. And at the the end, the last and the great day of the feast, they are pouring out gallons and gallons of water as water and wine as sacrifice. And Jesus, in John chapter 7 and verse 37, in the middle of all that's transpiring, all that's happening, and maybe media will put up the verse for me on this one. There we go. And John chapter 7, verse 37, in the middle of all that's happening, Jesus stands up. On the last day, the greatest day of the feast, and he says, if anyone's thirsty. Can you imagine the scene? 
Everybody's gathered. It'd be like Easter Sunday. Everybody's gathered for Easter Sunday, and we're all having a big celebration and a party, and we've got all sorts of music happening. The choir's dancing and singing, and everything's going on, and we're rocking and having a good time. And Jesus stands up right in the middle of it and yells, If anyone's thirsty! <laughs> Security would be on him real quick. <laughs> Who was that man that just stood up? And that was the scene. In the middle of it, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. God kind of life. God kind of life. Jesus wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live a life that's overflowing, a life that's full of the joy and the peace of God. He wants you to overflow with his goodness, just as this scene in the temple on the greatest day of the feast, even so as Hebrews says that he will, Hebrews 7, he will save you to the uttermost. He wants you to have the utmost, the uttermost, the abundance, greater than you can ever ask or think, the overflow extraordinary life. I can't give you enough adjectives to describe the kind of life that God wants you to live. Abundant life. The God kind of life. Jesus said to Martha at Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus was dead and everybody was upset that Jesus didn't get there on time. But Jesus looked at them and said, I am the resurrection and the life. My goodness, your situation this morning might look dead, might look hopeless, but the resurrection and the life has walked into the room. Jairus' daughter might be lying dead on her bed, but resurrection and life walked into the room. This morning, the way, the truth, and the life has walked into the room. If your life seems dead, if you're still stuck in winter, and God's trying to get you into spring this morning, if you hadn't maybe caught on yet, the resurrection and the life has walked into the room. Stop living among the tombs and come into the life of God. Stop camping out in what was and the shadows of yesterday that haunt your mind. Walk into the sunlight of the Father. Get out my good God, somebody's going to get this this morning. Get out of the shadows of your mind and what someone told you and did you wrong and left you high and dry. Get over here where Jesus is. He is the resurrection and the life. Have the life of God. It's my God. It's time for life in your life. You've been living among the dead for too long. Somebody this morning, you've been living in the shadows for too long. And the sunbeams of God, the radiance of God, the outshining from the Father, the radiance of the Father, Jesus, Hebrews 1.3, is shining down. He's shining in this place. And when the sun shines, life comes. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Whew. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Those are great fruit of life. How do you know the life of God's flowing in you? You've got righteousness, peace, and joy flowing out of you. Now, don't you go home and take a look at your fruit and say, well, I don't have righteousness, peace, and joy flowing out of my life, so I must not have life flowing, you know. Pastor said, and I don't, I'm just. If that's how you respond to that, you definitely are not operating in life. You don't even need to check your fruit. I can tell you before you even take inventory. I can tell you. But when you operate in the life of God, it just, man, it just overflows. 
overflows. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.